Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome to the house of the Lord to worship. It is good to be here on this beautiful day. Before we begin our worship, I want to remind you all that this coming Saturday is um, October 19th, and that is a big day for us here at the church. Um, you are welcome to come in the morning here to feed my sheep at 9 a.m. to help prepare lunches that go over to Cardinal Village. Um, you may also come over to Collinsville to join us in charge conference as we set the business of the church. Um, this is an important I, announcement because whether you choose to come or not, um, this is where we will be voting to approve um, the salaries and everything that we set here at the church. Um, so that's when they're formally approved. So if you have something to take issue with, um, do it before then <laughs> or, or come then. Um, otherwise, I'll vote to approve everything, um, and that, that will be set. Um, and then that evening on the October 19th is our baked spaghetti bingo night that you can read about. Please sign up if you are intending to come. Um, other than that, in regards to charge conference, there'll be an administrative council meeting tomorrow at 6.30 to formally finalize everything. Um, so your names are listed there. Please come tomorrow evening um, if that is your meeting. Are there other announcements today? Yes, Linda. Okay. Okay, trustees meeting after church. Um, one topic, so keep all your other feelings bottled inside. <laughs> um, we're going to cover that one topic. Are there any other announcements today? Yes. Yes. And make sure, invite your friends. They're taking sign-ups till Wednesday, so call your friends and neighbors that might also not have anything else going on on a Saturday evening and see if you can bring them along with you to bingo, something that everyone enjoys. If um, anybody wants yes. to go and they don't like Friday night, let me know. I'll come get you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you, or David. tell somebody, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, so if it's somebody else out of the choir that, that you know that want to come and, and don't like Friday night, I'll Thank you, David. Any other announcements today? Yes, uh, the last concert is today, a special guy Kiss event. That no, no, Ringo. Ringo. Wherever, wherever the, it's on the sign, but it's tonight if you want to go. And uh, you can actually stand there and be outside, so I can't go because it's still open. <laughs> when they're talking about rain, too, so I don't know how they'll do that. I don't know what'll happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but keep your eye on if you want to go to that worship service um, at Ringgold this evening. Wonderful. Thank you, Nancy. Um, well, let us stand as we join together and prepare our hearts to worship with our call to worship. Will you rise? And now bless the God of all. Who fosters our growth from birth. Come, let us worship the God of growth and mercy. 
And now we join in prayer to that very same God. God of the people, you show us great love. You never leave us. Teach us to show great compassion and to turn to you when we are in need. Amen. You may be seated, and the choir will begin our worship and song today with the anthem forever. And will you, the family of God, now rise as we sing together um, our worship song, The Family of God. <coughs> will you rise? in the fountain 
sounding good. Let's sing a chorus again. Lord, we thank you for the immense blessing that you have given us, that you have called each one of us by name, that we have been washed in the blood of the covenant, Lord, and brought into this new family, not a family of the womb, Lord, but a family of the spirit, a family of God. In thanks for those blessings as an offering to you, our mighty God, we lift up what we have. We ask that you would take these humble offerings, Lord, and that you would multiply them for the work of your kingdom, that you would use them to strengthen um, your ministry that your people are doing here in this church. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I hope this warms your heart. I give you Jesus. If the ship of your life is tossing on the sea of strife, you need someone 
It seems life isn't fair And there's no one left to share All those lonely days and nights When things just won't turn out right You want someone to care Someone to just be Keeps your spirit to the ground. that you have tried with all the strength you have inside it seems that you have failed remember on the cross he nailed all the bitterness and grief to give you peace and sweet relief he is that someone that you need
You may be seated. Do we have a praise to lift up to the Lord today? Praise God, it is a blessing to be able to worship the Lord today. Praise God. Praise God for the growth of family, for the growth of Christian family, for seeing one another. Praise God. Thank you for sharing with us, Michael. Do we lift up other praises before the Lord today? Yeah, it's wonderful to have Robert here. Um, yes, and, and Angel with him. And I praise God my parents are here. And praise God for safe travels. I know we have quite a few folks traveling to the beach and and coming back from the trips we're on. And so I lift up continued praises for good safe travels for my family and my family of God as well. There are other praises we lift up. Yes. Yes, we are proud of our accolade. Mm-hmm. Well, praise God. I'm happy that you all are able to go to her 50th. That's wonderful. Okay. All right. Everybody has your homework. Talk to David. You're going to be telling that quite a few times. Are there other praises to lift up before the Lord today? Well, those prayers that we have listed here are Ava Dill um, for her chemo treatment. Neil Cole. Yes. You Would you like to add? Wonderful. Dolly, yes, you said.
still remember Viola. Um, as she moves around, she's at Bright Leaf now, um, and she was at Normanesia before. So pray for her as she, yeah, pray for her as she looks for a, a permanent home that can care for her well. Um, Neil Coleman, Marina Garzon, uh, Melanie Patterson, Kevin, Charles, Michael Clark, Jerome Cook, Todd Cook, Mildred Moore, Bill Dyer, Gail Garrison, Barbara Lee, Dolly Lewis, Elizabeth LaPointe, Chris Farmer, Vicki Cassell, Pat Giles, and Ray Irk. Are there others that we lift up in prayer today? Bobby Scarce. I'm sorry. Mark Roach. For David, as we pray for, for his strength, yes. For the Sullivan family, we'll be in prayer. Yes, Sandy. Wonderful. That is a good trip. We will be praying for traveling mercies to Pittsburgh. Are there others that we lift up in prayer today? Well, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you as children reaching out, longing to be wrapped in the arms of, of our Abba, Abba. Um, Lord, we need your presence here with us. We need the comfort that only you can provide. Um, we confess that so often we um, turn our own way. We are prodigal children. Lord, we are... Um, running from the pack, but we thank you that you are always there with loving open arms to welcome us home, to give us your wisdom and your guidance and your strength as only you, our Father, can provide. Father, as children, we lift up before you these praises and prayers that we have made. As brothers and sisters, we share the joys of one another, Lord. It warms our hearts to hear about Christian families and to hear um, reports of healing that you provide and to hear wonderful news that witnesses to the power of your hand. It encourages us, Lord, to see where you are at work in the lives of our brothers and sisters. And so in faith, we pray for those that we have named, Lord, knowing that just as you have been at work in our lives, you are at work in their lives. Lord, we pray for your healing power. We pray for your wisdom where choices need to be made. Um, we pray for your strength, Lord, um, for those who know the choices um, but simply lack the, the strength in the flesh, Lord, to do what they know in their spirit is right. Um, we pray for your Holy Spirit to empower all these that we have named, all those in the community that you know, Lord, um, who are wrestling with their own demons in body, soul, and mind. We pray for this church, God. Give us your vision, um, give us your, your energy, um, give us your love for the community. God, continue to transform our hearts, um, leading us on to perfection, Lord, um, so that we may serve and witness to this community who you have given us to love. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first scripture reading today comes out of the book of Ruth, uh, beginning in 
chapter 1, verse 22, and continuing through chapter 2, verse 4. So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of the grain behind someone in whose sight I might find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And our second scripture reading comes from the gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 33 through 35. Will you stand for the reading of the gospel? And Jesus replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord, as children, we thank you for these words that bring us into your family, who make us a people when we were, when we were no people. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be present with us now. Shape the words that I am about to speak, Lord, and prepare all of our hearts as fertile soil that we might have in us seeds planted that will bring about a ripe harvest. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as a lot of you know, in addition to the home that Eric and I live in here in the Parsonage, we've recently purchased another home in Raleigh, since that's where Eric works. And we are in the process, the ever-going, never-ending process, of remodeling that home. <laughs> and we started on the first floor um, with the bedrooms and bathrooms, and, um, and we are continuing, forging on. And I know for a lot of homeowners, this would be a process that would make you groan, you know, oh, we have the ladders everywhere, there's blue tape permanently on everything, there's screwdrivers laying in my sinks, and, you know, it would be a process that makes you groan, but I love it, I love, I love living in the middle of a remodel, and maybe since they're here, we can give the credit for that or the blame, whichever way you might say it, to my parents. Because when I was just two years old, they bought a house in Washington State that had a beautiful island view. But they bought that house because it needed just, one might say, a little bit of tender, loving care. And at two years old, with a six-year-old brother and a brand-new puppy, 
I and my parents lived through an entire house remodel gutted to the studs that they did themselves. At one point, we were all living in one bedroom because the entire rest of the roof was torn off the house, and you could sit on our stairs and stargaze. So for whatever reason, from an early age, I was doomed to love home remodels. And so Eric has gotten sucked into this in our own home as I think, well, we can do that ourselves. I have claimed this home remodeling love for myself. And this home that we bought in the, was built in the early 90s, um, but the previous owner was not the best at upkeeping. And so we have been painting, replacing fixtures, and generally touching up with every spare hour we have. My own particular project has been remodeling the cabinets because we don't want to pay to put in new cabinets, but they're banged up and they're sticky everywhere and the finish is rubbed off and they just sometimes they just won't open because there's no handles on them. And so I am refinishing all the cabinets. And if you've ever refinished wood before, you know it takes a lot of elbow grease. You sand and you sand and you sand and you sand into all those little crevices. And then you dust and you clean and you blow it all off. And then you put on several paint coats of paint or the stain or whatever you do. And I love it. I love doing this. I love refinishing the old wood, even more than remodeling. I love refinishing the old wood. I love putting in the work and watching it transform. I love taking something that most people would probably throw away, take a sledgehammer to and put in the dump, and making it into something beautiful, something usable, something that will stay in that home for years. I love investing my time and seeing that I have built something at the end of it. I've always loved this. I love, I love refinishing old wood. Thursday night, <clears throat> as if we didn't have enough home remodeling to do, I took an old wooden church hymn board, you know, the, the sign that you used to slide the hymn numbers into, and I um, made slides to go in there that were out of chalkboard. So we have a little hymn board that's a chalkboard for our kitchen. For my father's birthday this year, I took siding off of old barns and I made for their property a large sign marking the beginning of their farm where they can now put the name of their farm on. That's out of old Virginia barns, so reclaiming that history of Virginia farms for their own property. In college, I used to go to the antique stores and I would look for those old wooden ammo boxes or for old picture frames, or for anything that was dusty and beat up and dingy that everyone else was passing by. And I would use it to make presents for my friends. Interestingly, I have no interest in working with new wood. We had to replace the deck rail. Count me out on that two-by-four project. I was no help. We have to fix the plywood under the sink. Absolutely no interest in doing that. <laughs> I love the old wood, the worn-out homes. I love things that tell a story. I love getting to know that story, where other people see brokenness, worn-down things that need to be thrown away. I love looking at them and being able to see what they could be. 
to reclaim that story and to give that wood another life, another purpose, another beauty. I love them little projects or the big projects, anything that will redeem those worn out stories. Because every time I work with my hands and do that, I spend the whole time thinking that this is what Christ has done for me. Christ has redeemed my old, worn out story. Where someone else may not have seen anything but a dusty, dingy, beat up thing that needed to be thrown in the garbage, Christ looked at me and saw beauty and purpose, something that could be given second life. Last week, you may remember that I mentioned the story of Naomi, and we focused on how God reclaimed her life. But today, we read about Ruth, and we read about how God redeems Ruth. Our choice for gospel reading may seem odd with the story of Ruth and Naomi, because in the gospel, Christ is responding to folks who have come into the house where he is teaching to let him know that his mother is waiting outside on him. And in response, Jesus is a little dismissive of his mother, isn't he? He's not that dutiful son that hops up and says, oh, sorry to keep you waiting, mom. Instead, he says, who is my mother and my brother? And then he claims that those he is sitting with teaching are his family. In contrast, Ruth shows immense loyalty to her own family. She refuses to leave her mother-in-law, even when the ties of marriage no longer legally bind them together. So what could the gospel lesson possibly have to do with the story of Ruth, where Jesus dismisses his family in blood while Ruth claims loyalty to her own family? Well, Ruth has no reason to stay with Naomi. There are no blood ties. Ruth is a Moabite. And you guys may know in the Bible, the Israelites do not have a lot of positive things to say about the Moabites. The Psalms declare, Moab is my wash basin, which certainly doesn't sound favorable. Isaiah prophesies that Israel shall put out their hand against Moab and plunder them. The Moabite king called upon the sorcerer Balaam. You remember the sorcerer whose donkey ends up talking to him? Yep. It's a Moabite king that asked Balaam to curse the Israelite people. Number speaks about the Moabite women and says that their daughters are whores. First Chronicles says that the slaves of Israel are the Moabites. So Ruth really has no reason to stay with her Israelite mother-in-law. There is no love lost between their two people. They are not family by the waters of the womb. And yet God redeems Ruth from that terrible history, from that history of the Moabites where the Israelites might look at Ruth and only see a dusty, dirty, dingy Moabite. God redeems that story because Ruth Ruth does the will of God, which in Jesus' book makes her a sister, a mother, and a daughter to the family of God. Ruth is brought into the blood of the covenant, which Christ tells us is thicker than the water of the womb. Ruth chose Naomi. 
She didn't have to stay with her. She chose her because that was the will of God. And Naomi and Ruth become part of the family of God. Ruth chooses these over the Moabites, her family of the womb. And so, in fact, our gospel lesson today, Jesus telling us that our family is those gathered here with us today, those people that we sit in pews with, those people that worship, those other people who call upon the name of the Lord and do the will of God. These are my family. This has everything to do with Ruth's own loyalty to Naomi. It would have been so easy for us to look at this worn-out story of Ruth, one more Moabite daughter with her questionable behavior, one more lost cause, one more dirty person standing in the way of Israel profiting, one more person that just needs to be struck down and plundered. But when God looks down at Ruth, he already sees all that she will be. He sees and heard the genealogy that will be written in the Gospel of Matthew that details the proud family line of God's own son, Jesus Christ. The one that says, Salam, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute who did the will of God. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, another Moabite woman, reclaimed by God to do his will. God can already see Ruth's name written in the Gospel of Matthew one of the many mothers of Jesus Christ. God saw all that, and God smiled, because God, too, loves a redemption story. God loves a redemption story so much, my brothers and sisters, that the Bible is full of them. Amen? God chooses to bring in brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts and cousins into the family of God from people whose stories are worn out and broken. God chooses to bathe them in the blood of the covenant, give them fresh purpose and beautiful, beautiful life. Do you remember a man named Job in the Bible, perchance? God redeemed Job, a man from the land of Uz. We may not think much about this statement. We just pass right on by, Job, a man from the land of Uz. But do you know this? Uz was one of the great-grandsons of Noah mentioned in Genesis 10. If you're in Bible study, you would have just read this. And you know that we read through Genesis 10, and we focused on those names, but at some point, your eyes glaze over a few of those names, don't they? But there he is, us in Genesis 10. He's not part of the line that leads to Abraham. So he becomes just one more name on a page, one more worn out story, one more faith in a crowd. The descendants of us, they live in the land of us, just being kind of us. <laughs> They're passed over people. The land of Uz in the Bible is also called Edom. It's where the descendants of Esau live. You remember Esau passed over. Passed over for his birthright. Passed over for his inheritance. Passed over for his blessing. Passed over for God's favor when his brother Jacob literally gets the name Israel that will be given to the people of God forever. Esau, another man, passed over whose descendants live in the land of Uz the passed over land, it seems. 
Can you relate? Anyone? Do any of us ever feel like we are just one more name on a page, one more face in a crowd? We're not the big, glorious, famous stories. You know, we're not all the Abrahams and the Moses and the, and the Jacobs and, and the King Davids. Some of us are the us, right? <laughs> Some of us are the Esau. Some of us are living as passed over people. Your story is not evil, right? You're not a Moabite who comes from all these evil people. You're not at odds with the people of God. Your story is just worn out, passed over. But God sees you as well. God redeems you as well. In the land of us full of passed over people, God looks and sees the righteous man, Job. And God redeems Job out of his suffering. God gives him new purpose. And God gives his story a beautiful comfort that will teach us and challenge us for generations to come. Job probably felt for his whole life, and certainly in the part that we read about, that God couldn't see him and that God had forgotten him. But make no mistake, God saw the beauty of Job's life, and God redeems Job. When Jesus is ministering on earth, you remember he tells a parable, one about a Samaritan people. The Samaritan in this parable may or may not have been good, you know. The Samaritans, they have a long history of living at odds with the Jewish people, don't they? At one point, the Samaritans are the foreigners that are brought in, to, in from Babylon by the Assyrian Empire into Israelite land. And gradually, the Samaritans, they begin to live like Israelites. They give up their idols. They start to worship God. But they always remain outsiders. When the Israelites rebuild the temple, the Samaritans can't help because they're not from here. <laughs> And even after generations, the Samaritans remain the new people. Does that sound like a church that anyone's ever been to? I don't know about you guys, but my family spent 15 years at a church, and they still called us the new people. <laughs> the Samaritans, they want so badly to worship God that they end up building a different temple, right? Because they can't partake in the Jewish one because they're the new people. And then the Jews end up branding them as heretics for building a different temple. It's like everything they do, no matter how much time passes, they end up doing the wrong thing from the perspective of the Israelites. And there's always that blood, that bad blood there. Yet Jesus tells a story about the Samaritan who is good. The Samaritan who does the will of God and becomes a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle in the family of God. And you know, Jesus also speaks with a Samaritan woman that he finds at a well. You know the one who tries to keep her secrets from the Lord? He says, go back and tell your husband about this. And she says, I have no husband. You remember that story? The Savior sees right through it, doesn't he? He says, you're right. <laughs> you have five husbands. And so seeing the truth of the Messiah, this Samaritan woman drinks from the living water that is Christ Jesus. Water that is thicker than the water of the womb. Water, living water, that is the blood of the covenant. And she is brought into the family of God. She is taken, her dusty, worn out story is made new. She's given purpose 
she becomes a missionary. She goes and preaches the gospel of Christ Jesus and converts her other Samaritan uh, neighbors. God sees through all her secrets, everything she's trying to hide from God. And yet Jesus redeems her still, bringing her to everlasting life as part of the family. God redeems Rahab, that Canaanite woman practicing prostitution, so that she becomes part of the salvation of Israel's own people. Jesus redeems the people from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And yet Jesus himself, the Savior of the world, comes from that very place. Yes, God loves a redemption story. And Christ redeems you as well. By taking on human flesh and becoming like you and dying on a cross for you, Christ redeems your broken, worn out, passed over, secret-filled story. God will redeem anyone and everyone who does the will of God and believes in Christ Jesus. This good news is twofold. It means, firstly, that there is no one, no one so evil that God cannot redeem them. After all, God redeems the Moabites. It means that there is no one that is so looked over, so passed over, that God cannot redeem them. After all, God redeems Job. It means that there's no one so excluded that God cannot redeem them. After all, Christ redeems the Samaritans. It means that there is nothing you can do that means God can't redeem you. Christ will redeem your story. He will take that story, however worn it is, however beat up and dusty and sticky with whatever grossness was on there, and he will redeem it. He will give you new purpose and new beauty. And yes, it might take some elbow grease, right? It takes some work sometimes. But the good news is that Jesus leaves us the Holy Spirit to do that work alongside of us, to empower us, to endure while he is redeeming our stories. Even more, even more than I love redeeming stories of the wood, putting purpose and beauty in those old things, Christ loves a redemption story. And this is good news for a second reason as well. It means that no one else is beyond redemption either. So yes, you were not beyond redemption, but neither is your neighbor or that person you pass in the street or that stranger you encounter in the grocery store or that one person that you think may be the first ever exception to the rule, that one person you think may be beyond saving. God will redeem them as well. It is easy in this world to look outside at others with worldly eyes, isn't it? When we do that, all we see is the old weathered wood. We see brokenness, ugliness, disrepair. We see rough edges and patchy places. We see things that need to have a sledgehammer taken to them and thrown in the dumpster. But the gospel news of redemption means that as Christians, we have to learn to look at the world with redemption eyes. We need to see righteousness and faith in those that the world passes over. We need to look 
and see the grandmother of a king in a widowed foreigner. We need to see missionaries and preachers and those who are right now living in sin. Because through the redemption of Jesus Christ, even those people, right? When we say that, those people, even those people are powerful instruments for God's kingdom work. We must be willing to look at strangers and enemies and foreigners and widows and the poor and the sick and the immigrants and the sinners and say, these are my brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and cousins, for these are those bought by the blood of the covenant who do the will of God. This is my family, and I am proud to be part of the family of God. Their story is your story. Their redemption is your redemption in Christ Jesus. And so we must find our brothers and sisters. We must look for them and seek them out and tell them the good news that, yes, Christ redeems all who are willing to do the will of God. This is our story as the family of God. He looked down at us, at our brokenness, and he saw the beauty that could be redeeming us and our stories. Every day, all around us, this is what God is at work doing, redeeming broken stories and broken lives and giving us, his children, beauty and purpose. God can and will do the same for us. Hallelujah. I am a broken story, but I am redeemed by Christ. Amen. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for our redemption stories. We thank you for our stories of salvation, Lord. We thank you for our mothers and fathers in the faith, for, for the Ruths, Lord, and, and the Rahabs and, and the Naomis, Lord, and, and the Jobs and, and all those people that you put in the Bible who remind us, Lord, that none of us are beyond saving. Father, for those here who might feel that they are the exception to the rule today, Lord, that they are beyond saving or that their life is, is beyond purpose, Father, we ask that you would change our hearts, Lord, remind us that with you our story is never beyond redeeming, that there is always new life and purpose with you, the resurrected Savior. Father, we pray for this community that where this community is broken and worn out, you would lead us as your hands and feet to, to do the work, Lord, to find the beauty there so that you in Christ Jesus may redeem all your people. For we know, Lord, you call all your sheep back into your fold. You call us all to be brothers and sisters. So, Lord, this week, in the power of your Holy Spirit, we, we may we be the mouths that speak this good gospel message to the world. Amen. Our closing hymn together today is O For a Thousand Tongues to Sing, which is the very first hymn in the hymnal. So we're going to the beginning. It is hymn number 57. Would you stand as we worship our resurrected Lord together? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. Amen. That's what I want to say. <laughs>
them. service, won't it? Huh? Everybody smiling? Everybody okay? I love y'all. Okay, at the beginning, Nancy.
May the peace of the Lord be with you all. And also with you. Amen.